0: Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is season 10 of our longest running Game Changers series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio, presented, of course, by SAP. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, walk, drive, fly, however you're transporting these days, this is the place because this is where the best run. I have an interesting buzz, something I've never done before. I'm, I've researched the quote, the title, Rip From the Headlines, because that's what we're doing today here in Financial Excellence. And I thought I'd find out the genesis of this title. And it actually was a Warner Brothers Film Studios stock tagline, but it was torn from today's headlines. They used it in the 1930s. <laughs> Nobody here was alive then to promote the gritty realism of their social problem films. And the evil twin of this trope is, could this happen to you? There's a little trivia for you. So we're going to talk about what's the latest news on the street or whatever, wherever you're populating these days that impacts F-P-N-A, Financial Planning and Analysis. Or perhaps the better question is, what's the latest news in your home office, your study, your spare bedroom, your garage, your kitchen table, wherever you're working from, depending on the distance of your home to work commute. It's time to take a look at topical content, see what's going on from current news headlines to learn how today's hot topics, and there are so many of them, will affect F-P-N-A professionals today, tomorrow, and farther out into the future. Right now we're live on February 23rd, 2021. And I don't know if we're going to look past the end of 2021, so let's see what my three panelists are. We may be locked inside. Still a little bit, but that's no reason to be out of touch. So we're going to ask Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect, who's been on so many times. Jeff, welcome back. We have Tiago Bala at Deloitte. Tiago, welcome back. I'm on Zoom, so I can see them, and they're waving at me, and this is great. And David Williams at SAP, also previous guest here on Game Changers Radio, for their perspectives on, just as I said, rip from the headlines, financial planning and analysis. Let's get started I'm guessing that most people around the world who've listened to this series know the three of you, but just on the chance that there might be three or four people. I don't know, David Williams. I think it might be three or four people who don't know who you are, possibly. That many?
0: I'm sure there's many more than that.
1: Many more. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm, I'm going on the optimistic side. Let's start with Jeff Hattendorf. Jeff, why don't you reintroduce yourself to our audience? What's new with you? Take about, gentlemen, take about three minutes. Tell us what's new, and then we'll go to the opening quotes, and then we'll hit the headlines really hard. Jeff, you're up.
2: Oh, good morning, Bonnie. It's good to be on again. Um, so since the last show, uh, I've recovered from COVID, so I like to say that I'm a COVID survivor. That's a small miracle. Yay! Thank you. But from a practical standpoint for today's topic, you know, I've been in this space for 17, 18 years. Um, My longer career, the last 25 years, I've spent implementing systems for companies that manage and move data. And the amount of change in just the last 25 years is incredible. You know, we've gone from, we have spreadsheets that we need to move to some kind of a tool where the data is in the spreadsheet, but it's on a server as well, to now it's People, I, I literally had a client say this yesterday, well, I just want the plan to be in the system and then we'll go change it if we don't like it. We're not quite to that last magic planning scenario yet, but that's the direction that it seems like we're headed and that's the hype around, around the topic of fp from a technology standpoint. So my role with, with all of our clients is, are you leveraging leading practices to define the best practice for you? Is the system designed in a way to actually support your business processes so you get the answers you need? There's lots of data in the world, and what clients struggle to do is is take that data and turn it into actionable information. And at the end of the day, it's you know sometimes you know playing the role of of a counselor, just letting people go. Well, what is everybody else doing? I don't know. And there's the fear, uncertainty, and doubt of being left behind because all the things you read in the news are are. Wait, there's this is happening and AI is doing it. And we've got and that's why I think I had the comment yesterday from a client talking about the the plan just magically appearing. And he didn't use the word magically, but that's kind of what I heard uh, in the system without any work having to be done by the team.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I think what you're referencing is called FOMO, F-O-M-O, The Fear of Missing Out. Everybody's nodding. Yes. Thank you for that, Jeff. Nice to see you back. And I'm so glad you recovered. You were actually going to be a guest on one of my year-end prediction specials, yes. and you didn't show up. And somebody said to me, just don't talk about Jeff. We know why he's not here. I didn't know. And after the show, they said, don't say anything to anybody, but Jeff has COVID. And I sent you a note right away, wishing you well. And you actually were able to write back. And you said you were you were doing fine. And we're so, so glad. So thank you very much, Jeff, for joining us thank today. You. Let's move to Tiago Ballot. Tiago, welcome back. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about your background? On what you're up to, a little bit about your passion for the headlines, uh, we, which we haven't gotten to quite yet. I'm going to put you on speaker view, Tiago, so everybody can see you. Go ahead.
3: All right. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm Tiago Bala from uh, Chicago. I live in the suburb Naperville with my wife and two boys. So I've been in the industry over about, like I would say, uh, 23 years or so. Um, over the last 20 years, I've been primarily focusing on Um, started with analytics then slowly started into the fpna in the i would say the last decade or so uh, primarily focusing on consumer products on how we leverage the data and how do we actually bring the best practices or leading practices to the industry and how we solve the client challenges and how can they actually be try to be at least future proof and predict the future that is my core and as you can see in the last like a few years, I would say like maybe after 2015 or so, we've been seeing a huge amount of trend or I would say, um, even I call as a digital disruptors, right? AI, machine learning, cognitive computing, all those different technologies coming into play, how this really interrupting your business. In other words, like 10 years ago, the way you have the customer expectation was different versus how they expect um, the same thing from you. So how the business can adapt and change, how can they predict and help and serve the customers and also build their revenue. So that's how I'm helping the customers on primarily on fp and and consumer industries. Love to be part of the show today.
1: Thank you very much. And Tiago, I'm noticing in your background, there's a clock that has stopped at 2.40. I don't know if it's p.m. or a.m., an actual real clock on the wall. Uh, and I'm wondering, is there a significance? Is that a a piece of art or is that just a clock that stopped? I'm sorry, but I noticed it. It's just my laziness not to change the battery. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Time has stopped for Tiago Bala. Thank you very much, Tiago. And our third guest today is also a returning gentleman from one of our shows, David Williams at SAP. David, welcome back. Nice to see you. Nice to hear from you. And David, we'd like for you to introduce, reintroduce yourself to the audience. Go ahead.
0: Sure. Well, thanks for having me again. It's been a while. Yep. My name is David Williams. I'm based in Vancouver, Canada, and I lead the uh, portfolio, uh, product marketing for the portfolio of our analytics solutions. So I've been covering for the last 15 plus years, the BI analytics, uh, enterprise performance management and enterprise planning spaces. And, um, you know, we have a flagship solution in our SAP analytics cloud, which, you know, as Tiago and Jeff were talking about is software to help. FPNA better plan budget and forecast so um happy to be here and uh, looking forward to the conversation
1: Thank you very much. I'm going to go back to gallery view. Gentlemen, do me a big favor and smile. I want to take a screenshot. I've never done this during the show, but I need a, I need a smiling shot of all of you. There we are. Yes, I'll send it to you later. That's part of why we're on Zoom so we can see who we are. Yes, so now is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to please select a quote from a movie or a song. Or now we've expanded it to TV shows. I think people ran out of movies to quote, Jeff. So I told them they could do TV shows. And sometimes a TV show like Star Trek becomes a movie series. So there you go. So that that's the way it's going. So I'm gonna read a little bit the quote, a little bit of background. I did my research, very interesting quotes from Jeff first, then Tiago, and then David, and asked them to unpack the quote and tell us what in the world it has to do with our topic today. Jeff has picked a quote from Han Solo, former smuggler, played by, of course, Harrison Ford in Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980 American epic space opera film. And here is the scene. I'm going to read the scene, Jeff, and then I'll give the quote from Han Solo. The scene is C-3PO says, Sir, I, I can't do a computer voice. Sir, the odds of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to one. And Han Solo says, never tell me the odds. And there's the quote, Jeff, help me out here. What does that have to do with our topic?
2: <laughs> so when when I when I heard Rip from the headlines and, and I probably should have said in my introduction, you know, I live in Dallas and anyone who's paid attention to the news oh knows that Well, today it's gonna to be 70 degrees outside three days ago, everything outside my window was covered in snow and ice. We had power outages across the state. Um, there are still people in the state without water. And so as I was preparing for the show, I was, I was reading articles about why is the ledger grid having problems? What could the utility companies, I've worked with several in this state, and not outside of Texas, um, done to prepare for this. And then I thought about GameStop and I just, I just started scrolling through headlines and this, this, this one little scene kept coming back to me. Here we have Han Solo, in the Millennium Falcon, perhaps the greatest ship ever manufactured in the history of any franchise, surrounded by all this computing technology. And the computer says, it's a bad idea to go into that. And he goes, don't tell me the odds. I think there's this part of us that doesn't want the computers to tell us the answer, except when we want them to tell us the answer. And and so that that quote just resonated with me. I, I looked for something else, but I kept coming back to that one. And there's even articles and studies about well, what are the odds really of going through an asteroid belt? And it's, it's all about computers and, and we want them to help us, but not tell us how to live our lives.
1: Thank you very much. I love the quote. I've, I haven't heard that one before. I just got a note from my engineer. He said he really appreciates you because he loves Star Wars quotes, Jeff. <laughs> so Aaron says, thank you. He, he absolutely loves that. He says, best. Shi- yes. Best ship ever made, made the Kessel run. He is right. There you go. So we're getting a little sidebar here. Aaron, thank you very much. Jeff is nodding. You can see that. Thank you. Let's go to Tiago's quote. Tiago sent a beautiful quote from Jack Sparrow played by Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. This was 2007, the third, I hope I'm doing my homework right here, Tiago, third film in the fantasy swashbuckler series inspired by the Disney theme park ride. Of course, it was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and Captain Jack Sparrow is a fictional character and the main protagonist in the series. It's based on a combination of the Rolling Stones guitarist Keith Richards. Did you know this, Tiago? And the character, and Looney Tunes cartoon character Pepe Le Pew, and the character first appears in the two thousand and three film, *The Curse of the Black Pearl*. Here's the quote: "I love this one. Close your eyes and pretend it's all a bad dream. That's how I get by." <laughs> Tiago, this is a great
3: one. I love it. Go ahead, talk to me. What does this mean to us? So, um, I think this one. I'm. I'm a huge fan of Johnny Depp, by the way. So. Uh, I was going through uh, which one I would actually pick, and this one kind of uh, strike me right on. The reason for that is even personally, I also had some loss, personal loss during this pandemic. Um, of course, everyone probably has, in one way or another would have impacted our life, um, even for organization like that, right? So two choices we have, uh, we can always think about the past and keep on worrying about it, or just close and think this is a bad dream, and think about how I get by and what are the things I can actually do and predict and start using my forecast and see how I cannot actually get in the same situation again as much as possible. It can be 100%. but.
1: Thank you. It reminded me, the line, Tiago, reminded me of a Beatles song that starts with close your eyes and I miss you tomorrow. I'll kiss you tomorrow. I miss you. Remember, I'll always be true. And it was, um, I'm saving all my loving for you and close your eyes. And that reminded me for some reason of the Beatles song. Great quote. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And let's move on to David. The quotes are great, fabulous today. The three of you really knocked yourselves out. You knocked me out. David Williams has picked a quote from Modern Family. I think this is the first time we've had a Modern Family quote. Phil Dunphy, what a character, played by Ty Burrell. I'm sorry this season, the, the whole series is over because I, I loved it. American television mockumentary family sitcom 2009 to 2020. This is from the episode called Schooled, David. I don't know if you knew that. From 2012, Phil and Claire Dunphy get emotional cheer cheer as they send daughter Haley off to school which is odd because she really wasn't a school type of a person Manny makes Jay and Gloria take a parenting class and Mitchell and Cameron clash with lesbian parents from Lily's school there you go here is the quote when life gives you lemonade make lemons life will be all like what <laughs> David bail me out here <laughs> go ahead
0: <laughs> I, I chose it. It's one of our favorite shows. And um, that episode where Phil puts the book together of the Phil Zosophy's, he's got a whole bunch of them. Yes. It just it makes you laugh, you know, especially right now we need a good laugh. So that's just one of one of the favorite ones that he came up with in that episode. So I thought I'd throw it out there. Although, Jeff, now that I hear yours, maybe we should have took one from The Mandalorian. Right. This is the way. <laughs> that had been
2: great, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, what you know, something maybe David that's how people need to take the philosophy of pretend yeah. it's all a dream and get by, close your eyes, right, Tiago? And, and don't tell me the odds, and say, What? There's an awful lot of lemons around here, an awful lot of lemonade, and we're all trying to survive and all trying to figure it out. Who knew we would be in a global pandemic one year ago? It was just a word we were just starting to hear, right, February 2020. And here. Here we are, businesses closed, people Fled back home. Kids are being schooled at home. The world was turned topsy turvy. So I think all of your quotes go together. Never tell me the odds. Close your eyes. I'll get by if it's if it's a dream. And say what? So I think the three of you, without even realizing it, put together a fabulous composite quote. And I can say thank you to the three of you. Very well done. Now it's time for the serious stuff. Oh, we're already being serious. One of you, I'm sure, is saying, Bonnie, we're really serious with the quotes. And here we go. So Jeff, I'm going to read your headline number one. And gentlemen, I'll read one headline from each of you first, Jeff. And what I'd like to do is, Jeff, unpack it for about three minutes. Give us your take on what it has to do with FP&A, Financial Planning and Analysis. What does it have to do with the Office of Finance? How does it impact CPAs, CFOs, all that good stuff we're talking about here on Financial Excellence. And if either Tiago or David has something to say when Jeff is explaining it, just wiggle your hand, raise your hand or raise your eyebrow or something and I will call on you. Otherwise, I will pick a headline from Tiagu, number one, and we'll do the same thing. And then David, and we're just going to see how many headlines we can cover. We'll do it like one of my prediction shows rather than a discussion roundtable. So Jeff sent the first one. He already referenced it. The headline is The Game Stock. GameStop stock. That's a tongue twister, Jeff. The GameStop <laughs> stock situation isn't about populism, it's about whether the market is real. And this is an article from The Washington Post, February 1st, 2021. Jeff, you're up, talk to me. What's the headline, unpack.
2: So if you followed the news at all in the last Mm -hmm. 60, 90 days, um, from a financial market standpoint, Mm -hmm. you probably saw that this little company in Grapevine, Texas based six miles from where I'm standing and speaking to you from today, had a stock price on December 23rd of $20 a share. A month later by January 27th, it was $350 a share. There were no changes in the fundamentals of the business. In fact, a lot of the outlooks for the business had been down if you go back and read some of the things further back in time. So there was nothing to drive that stock up other than a small group on Reddit that focuses on looking for opportunities in the market began to make noise about six or nine months ago about there being an opportunity to short this stock. And I'm not gonna go into shorting stocks because that's way out of my depth. I'm not a financial advisor. But what they were able to do as a as a populist movement, as it's being described by some, is a group of independent investors all at the same time began to short this stock, causing the the mutual funds and the big hedge funds that own giant shares of this stock to one day go. What? <laughs> there we are. <laughs> they had no idea what was going on. So the, the 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 way to handle a short position is you double down. It's like people who go to Vegas, and and I not a good gambler. So Vegas and I don't get along except for the shows. So you double down and double down and double down. And the largest hedge fund involved in GameStop had to borrow two and a half billion dollars to stay afloat. So this is one of those things that that sounds like a stock and you go, well, how does that apply to fp a mm-hmm. Well, what if it was the price of oil? We've seen that happen. The price of oil has spiked with no real change in demand just the, the, the market speculators driving the price up from $60 to nearly $120 a barrel. And it's come back down since then and, and airlines have hedging strategies against that. But whether it's a commodity, it's the price of labor, if it's anything that your business is dependent upon the outside to manufacture a product or deliver a service, you have to be able to work that into your plan. And how do you plan for a, a, a commodity going from $20 a unit to $350 a unit? It's still at 43 today. You can't do that without tools that, that help manage that much data.
1: Very interesting. And there were so many stories anecdotal about the good, the bad, and the horrible about what happened with that. And I, I remember reading that somebody invested $1,500 in, in uh, GameStop, and it was worth something like $40 million when this all really got going a couple of weeks later, h- how do you look at that and say, what, did I win a lottery? No, I just had a small stock investment. We'll move on. Thank you, Jeff. Really good kickoff to our headlines, Tiago Bala. I'm looking at headline number one, and it says U.S. retail sales rose strongly on stimulus in January. This is an article from WSJ, the journal.com I'm going to put you on speaker view, Tiago. Unpack the headline, please, for us. What does it have to do with FPNA?
3: Well, so we are in actually still in a pandemic. I think I know we are still getting vaccinated, but still overall the country is still going through in especially in alienized, we are still in phase one year of one B. Okay. But even though the market is still not coming up that quite bit, but just because the 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 stimulus package is coming in, people are actually started spending money. And the companies that organization don't want to expect that it's going to happen is going to make a huge impact on the consumer spending. Just because you're getting $500 or $600 is not going to make a difference, but it did make a difference, right? So how do I actually incorporate that into my FP&A? So, so CFOs are, in most organizations, they're looking or assessing the maturity of how the FP&A process is actually doing. Are they, do they really have the real data management ability to so, turn those insights into an actionable, actionable insights for the organization, right? How easily, for example, how easily can you roll up your uh, finance reporting across your divisions or a product, for instance? What are the ways I can re- boost my revenue or reduce the cost? Are there any, any enhancement I can actually do? Then now this become a top priority. I would even say that it become a, more of a competitive challenge for every organization. How do I interrupt, interrupt the data coming outside all of a sudden, right? So you just have a bill coming through or even a bill is not even come through. It's just like, it's going to come, but still you see a huge trend of things are changing. What it means for a company is they are actually shifting towards more about how can I actually digitalize these things? It might be too hard for someone to actually physically or manually for fp and process to all those things on a day-to-day basis, right? How can I make it as a more of a touchless, or I would say touchless or remote budgeting process. Um, can I actually use ML or a machine learning or a AA algorithms so that I can actually find my trends, how, what, mm. and when the customers will buy, right? So they can make this into a go-to-market strategies or how do I increase my margin or reduce my cost? So bottom line is people are, all the companies are trying to see, What are the machine learning or digital technology they can leverage to use this information in a meaningful insights for them?
1: How, what, and when will people buy my product or service? That's the 50 billion, gazillion, trillion question these days, right? With so many things, think about the companies that were on the verge of saying we can't be a business anymore that went and pivoted, shifted, and... Alcohol production companies went and made hand sanitizer and some fabric companies went and made masks and all of the needed supplies to get through the early days of the pandemic. So many companies were able to, because they had digitalized, Tiago, we know that they were agile. Jeff, you want to say something?
2: Well, I I think what you just touched on, Donnie is, sorry, Bonnie.
1: That's okay. (laughs) I I could be
2: anybody. Donnie and Marie, the Osmonds are back. I
1: knew you were going there. (laughs) I don't sing. I just play the drums, but it's okay, dear.
2: (laughs) But that that ties back into that quote, don't tell me the odds. 2020, I I won't use the swear version of this, but it was a show (laughs) and not a good one. So, and you mentioned this, one year ago today, we were hearing rumors of there's something happening in China and it's, it looks like it may have gone to Europe. And we've, we've seen this before globally, SARS and other things, and we've not shut down the economy. So as planners, I don't know that anybody was planning for what happened. And even if you had planned for what happened, I don't think people would have, the the computers can't tell you to go take your alcohol production facility and make hand sanitizer. because there's going to be a worldwide shortage or at least the U S North American shortage. It's, it, there's got to be a blend of people and technology to make this this stuff work because the syst- the machines are only as good as the data they have and there was no data to predict what we went through in 2020 and at least in Texas, we've had a little bit of a hangover coming into 2021.
1: It was a lot of imagination, a mm-hmm. lot of creativity. Tiago, anything you want to say to wrap that one up?
3: Um, I, I think I agree with like what Jeff was saying, right? So the machine can only do as much as like what you feed into this one. is a combination of using an artificial intelligence along with a human collaboration that was actually making a meaningful information or meaningful insights for the p a.
1: Thank you very much. I'm going to move on to David Williams who's waiting patiently. I said that to a third guest once, David, and it was his turn. He said to me, I'm not patient at all. How can you say that? So mm-hmm. I'm just assuming because I'm looking you. You look very calm. David sent us the following headline for his number one. He said corporate CFOs are not planning to buy Bitcoin, Gartner survey shows. Oh my, this is another hot headline. David, talk to me.
0: Yeah, and it, it ties a little bit into what Jeff was talking about a game stock in the stock market. So, Jeff, I had the same, I had also clipped the headline of game stock uh, as well. I think it's a fascinating example of multiple things. But um, with respect to the Tesla, I, I pulled this from Bloomberg actually. And this, This came out right after Tesla announced it made a $1.5 billion uh, purchase of Bitcoin, right? So, and that apparently was sparked by another tech company who had made heavy investments into Bitcoin. So we're seeing these companies move cash, right? Which is highly subject to inflation off the balance sheet and moving to, to Bitcoin, which is fascinating, right? So... It's legitimizing Bitcoin in many ways, but it's adding a whole element of risk and volatility. So what this survey was about was, are we going to see this? Are we going to see many corporations actually shift and hold more Bitcoin on, mm-hmm. on their books? And while this doesn't, doesn't necessarily impact FP&A per se, this is a major, you know, for the finance section, this is major, right? So the survey gets into how, you know, Despite all this all this news and hype around it, very few are actually at the point right now going to going to make that investment in, into uh, into Bitcoin. And why? One of the things that I was thinking about, and this is how it ties into to GameStop, is if these companies make heavy investments into Bitcoin, does some of them eventually become Bitcoin stocks? So you start to see people investing in them not because of what their core business is, but the fact they're they're invested in Bitcoin and you'll see that on this one company in particular, you'll see, if you look at the stock, the last couple of days have been pretty rough on the tech sector, the NASDAQ, you'll see one of these companies heavy invested in Bitcoin that's moved quite significantly. And then it comes to, and this now are really tied it to game stock is with, if Bitcoin moves up and the valuation of these companies move up and then do they issue new stock, at high valuations and bring a whole new injection of cash into the business to pay off debt or make other investments. And this is where you know, game stock it moves so quick, but when it was near the peak, if they were able to actually issue stock at that price, they could have brought in a whole new injection of cash to pay off debt and potentially reinvent their business. And this is where the planning piece came in, mm-hmm. right? Is this, does that create the opportunity with these sky high valuations to pay off debt or make significant acquisitions investment and basically go from the way of blockbuster to having the opportunity to reinvent those businesses versus going out of business?
1: Thank you very much, David. Very interesting. The whole, we'll talk about rip from the headlines. How often do we see Bitcoin making the headlines? Cryptocurrency. Who has their own fund? Who is a name brand singer or rapper or car manufacturer or somebody on the celebrity circuit who just decided, I'm going to own a bunch of this or I'm going to create my own branded Bitcoin. So it has been in the t- in the headlines. Love it or leave it. It's good. It's bad. It's ugly. It's up. It's down. Talk about volatility. Thank you for that one, David. Appreciate that. Anybody have any comments on that or should I move on? We good? Jeff. Good, good, Biago. Yeah, good, good. Okay, good. I'm going back to Jeff. We're going to go for round number two of headlines. Here we go. If you're just tuning in, this is Financial Excellence with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham here with Jeff Hattendorf, Tiago Bala, and David Williams. And we're doing rip from the headlines FPA. You may not know that FPA is involved in the backstory of these headlines, and that's what we're here to talk about. So, Jeff's number two headline is Kroger. Will close more stores over hazard pay laws for workers. This was a story February 17th, this year 2021, on CNN.com.
2: Jeff, you're up. So it's a, it, it's a different world in 2021, um, but it's not that different. You know, we live in a world, and, and Tiago touched on the stimulus package and the expectations that it's going to improve the economy. Uh, I think McKinsey's survey of executives and their their views of the economy in 2021 are all bullish or we're going to have a better economy this year than we had last year, so growth is on the horizon. Um, But it's not practical for a single FP&A team at a corporate level or even regional FP&A resources to be aware of everything that's happening an organization at the local level. There's weather events, there's legislation, all that has to be incorporated into your planning. There's no one tool that can do that. So... Here we have on the west coast of the U.S. um, cities and states saying we're going to require there to be hazard pay for frontline workers, particularly grocery store workers in this article, and that changes the cost to deliver those services in a very thin margin business. So, Kroger said we're going to close some stores. At a national level, um, we're looking to increase the minimum wage from seven-something an hour to $15 an hour over the Mm -hmm. next four years. That's going to drive a huge increase in costs for consumer based retailers that, that pay minimum wage are somewhere near that near that front. That's a lot of different pieces of information to, to keep clear, to keep organized, to keep structured, and to work into all the different variations of the plan. As as an FPNA team, you have to be working on identifying ways to have better collaboration, in, in involving people at the at the local level and giving them the ability to give you real time feedback on here's what's happening here and here's why because it's too much for any one person or even, frankly, any one system to make sense of with all the the random ways that we as people seem to legislate things and and put rules in place for, for managing the world around us.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm going to move on to very different type of headline number two from Tiago Bala at Deloitte. He says, corporate spending plans tweaked. As recovery pace remains uncertain, Wall Street Journal. I don't have the date of the article, but I know it's recent. Tiago, unpack this for us, please.
3: Okay, um, so uh, from the headline, so what, what I want to actually call out is, like, mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, right? So there has been a lot of pressure on the FPA team and their responsibilities, what they were carrying before after the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? So what are the lessons they learned during the pandemic period? Or a time, and how can they actually leverage that and try to actually do the unpredictable future into a predictable future, right? So these demands of the pandemic made the FNA team to constantly run scenario planning for contingency, which they never actually thought about. They used to when FNA team they always do a version one, two, and know, like maybe like a three versions. Beyond that, I mean, typically their organization don't do that way, but now if they want to actually recover and thrive, they have to actually start doing that type of scenario planning. Yeah, their work expectations and the implication of fp and team has changed quite a bit now. So, um, in a, they, they can actually only plan for how their business is actually going to survive. They also have to plan more of wider and deeper beyond their company and also the entire ecosystem how the customer going to spend, how my supplier, I may actually have hundreds of orders for me, but if a supplier is not giving some things for me, like even personally, I order a few things, it, it was like back order for like four months. So I have to even now plan for those backlogs as part of my scenario planning. So that helps us to have a more of a sharper focus on the critical impacts as a bigger FP&A team. So bottom line, more scenario planning in a wider and depth way helps us to actually do a predict the overall effects was going to happen in the future.
1: Thank you very much, Tiago. Appreciate that one. David Williams, I'm looking at your headline number two. This is interesting. You say redefining AI leadership in the C-suite. And this was from sloanreview.mit.edu. I don't have a date in the headline, but David, talk to me. What you got?
0: Sure. And, Tiago, by the way, what you just mentioned is actually another one of the headlines that I clipped, that exact point on scenario planning. So, totally agree. Um, this one, and this one relates to what you were talking about earlier. This whole, you know, AI has become kind of the new cloud, right? Everyone's talking about AI. And there's a lot of things that fall under that, that moniker. Right, so it's things like robotic process automation, and machine learning, natural language, generation and, and querying. So what, what I was really looking at here is, you know, there's a lot of questions, how's this gonna impact the finance function? I think there's a number of ways. Uh, one is you look at things like robotic process automation, this will help, it's already helping automate a lot of the routine tasks that finance is trying to get out of doing, right? trying to get out of the business of aggregating spreadsheets and running around trying to find data and posting journal entries, right? Manually reviewing expense reports. Although there's a lot of high repetitive, low variability tasks, And robotic process automation can help the finance function do that. And that's an efficiency benefit, right? But the things that you were talking about, Tiago, which is how do we leverage some of these technologies to actually better drive decision-making around the business? And this is super high value, very high impact. And you know, I was on a uh, on a recent a related uh, webcast a few weeks ago, and this is one of the questions that came up in the chat panel from an FP&A person. It was around, is, is AI going to eliminate the FP&A function's job? And my response was, no, because as you mentioned, Tiago, we're not going to be able to automate and gut optimized with just the machine going or running the business, despite what the movies look like. Like I, this doesn't appear to be on the horizon at any time, but what these technologies are doing, and a good example is machine learning, is that it's actually allowing us to go through and mine all this data that we're capturing, right? Because we're capturing more data than ever before that we want to factor into decision-making. Machine learning can help mine that and serve up hidden insights that we may have missed. Okay. So it's not just about providing a quicker insight. There actually may be something there that a human on their own doesn't capture. And this is an example of where it can augment and we call this augmented analytics because it's augmenting the human, in this case, the FTNA person to help better support the business with decision-making. So yes, Things that fall under AI, many of them will automate some things in finance, like I mentioned before. But again, that, uh, things like uh, supporting decision-making, helping better forecasts, that's going to augment the fp and uh, person and the team. So it's going to help fp do their jobs better by better supporting the business.
1: Thank you, David. Very interesting. That's the first time I've heard the term augmented analytics. That's a new one for me. Has everybody else heard that one? Jeff, probably. Tiago, probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, I learn on these shows. So <laughs> that's a good thing. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. I am listening. Let's go for round three on the headlines. Let me look at what Jeff Hattendorf has sent. This is COVID-19 cases are dropping fast. Why? And this is dated February 12th. So that was, oh, 11 days ago from today. And that's an interesting dropping fast is, not, is more than just dropping. So Jeff, what does this have to do with FP&A?
2: Well, so in addition to that article, the one that I didn't quote was one in the Wall Street Journal, I believe was an op-ed piece where uh, one doctor is predicting herd immunity for North America by mm-hmm. June. And so as you're thinking about the the world of F everything we're doing is about planning. And, and then it's the analytics. That, that We always forget about the A because we're, we're often focused on the F, particularly in, in world like 2020 where things went completely off the rails. So... If you're the typical FP&A team, you're looking at all kinds of information and 2020 has taught you that you have to look at even more information. So we're using different tools to help see more. Well, if you were looking at the forecasting models for COVID, trying to figure out when the world's gonna normalize, just a month ago, 20 of them said we were gonna be slightly decreased or flat on COVID. And what we're seeing now is that hospitalizations and cases are down 50% in North America. And they're on a similar trend in Europe from another article that I read. How do you plan four, five, six different scenarios so quickly? Um, How do you begin to plan for what if the new variant that we found comes from the UK or one from somewhere else in the world is resistant to immunization? And we have to go back into shutdown. How do you model and simulate that? We've had clients that I didn't think this was sensical. It's a statistical concept called the Monte Carlo simulation where when you have a mathematical formula or a driver-based uh, a, a driver plan, you take key variables in that plan and you drive in data across a giant range of permutations. And you look at the, at the distribution of where the, the numbers come out. And the idea there is to see what is the expected outcome if every possible combination is, is done for us. And as David was talking about, we as humans can't run the cycle that many times. But if we define the math, and we let the system run through all those permutations. I know what my expected outcome is, and that's kind of what we plan to. And I can do a high and a low. But what if I ran ten thousand versions of that and just plotted that data on a chart to see what would look like if something we've never even thought about happens? What if we? What if COVID happens? No one was planning for that in 2019. And so it's. This is important to FPNA because. It, we live in a world, and it was proven last year that things change very quickly. You've got to know what you're going to do before it happens. And the only way to do that is to plan for a variety of use cases.
1: Thank you very much, Jeff. Good one. And I'm going to move on. i looking at the clock. We've got 14 minutes left. Let's see if we can unpack a few more headlines. Tiago Bala, I'm looking at your headline number three. This is interesting. You say, it says, article from the Wall Street Journal at wsj.com. Oil prices are up, but frackers stay on the sidelines long dash for now. Ooh, is that foreboding? I don't know, talk to me, Tiago.
3: Okay, I think uh, uh, Jeff um, I think Jeff touched this topic a lot on this one where there is a tremendous amount of external data right now out in the market, right? So if you see um, the historical way, I would actually say how the overall the FPNA team has evolved over the years, right? Um, so like a 15 years ago, like oh, whenever they do a FP&A process, they just to focus on historical trend. Um, what I was seen in the last year of this year, my sales was how much I was spending on um, you know, travel expenses, for instance. It could be a g expenses. And the next they started actually doing some ad hoc queries or a report they actually generate is everything was mostly actually done using manual data gathering process or manual report creation or someone actually doing it over the night. Then they stretched to the fp more of an analytics space where they started doing a top-down approach. Then also they have a bottom-up approach. Then maybe some, some companies actually say, how do I actually link my different KPIs to corporate strategic priorities, right? I mean, these are actually slowly changing now I'm more going into like what David was saying. How do I actually combine this with an AI or a cognitive analytics? How do I actually bring unstructured data? This, all this data is coming in different form. It can be coming from a Facebook sentiments or coming from a news thread. How do I bring my unstructured data into my FPNA process? How can I actually streamline that into a FPNA model? Can I actually have a multiple models using machine learning? so that I have some optimized algorithms to help me to make the right decisions. So instead of saying what is my top 10 customers, what if the system can help you saying what product or what company you should be focusing on rather than just giving me a top five customers, right? So which product you should be focusing on having a more sales uh, promotion this year rather than saying, This is a top uh, five product which gave you high margin last year. That's not going to help me anymore. So the bottom line is like, how do you use this one? How do you use the cognitive analytics? That becomes the trend. Whether you like it or not, that is the trend we are actually seeing are more and more if you want to bring this data into a real world scenarios.
1: Thank you, Tiago.
3: And
0: then just to comment, like you're getting into Mm -hmm. prescriptive analytics and next best action, right? Which is... Not just the what, but what to do next.
1: What to do. Thank you. I'm looking at headline number four from David, a little bit of an overlap talking still about the pandemic, but an interesting article from Forbes. This is from February 13th, which was 10 days ago. And the headline is strategic planning with uncertainty about pandemics end. David, you wanna unpack this for us? Let's get your comments.
0: Yeah, this one, we've touched on this one already with, uh, to, you know, we were talking about, um, Jeff, you were mentioning getting more people involved in the planning process that are closest to to the customer. Um, and this this really gets into why we need to scenario plan, right? And you already touched on, on that as well. Um, because, you know, Jeff and Tiago, you're working directly with customers implementing the systems, right? We see it that still a lot of companies are trying to drive their business and plan on spreadsheets, right? Or do an annual budgeting process. And basically last February, you might as well just throw every company and organization could have just thrown their plans out the window because they're useless. Um, And this is what COVID said. It's, It's really raised the attention and created a sense of urgency on things we needed to be doing anyway, but there just wasn't that, you know, catalyst to make it happen at that point in time, because again, Jeff and Diego, myself, we've been talking to customers for decades about how to get a better, more continuous planning process to drive the business, Mm -hmm. to get off driving it on standalone spreadsheets, right? Um, To start adopting modern, to get moved to the cloud, right? Which has a whole host of advantages uh, for customers as well. So what COVID has done is it's been this catalyst to, to get organizations to finally make the move to these systems, which are going to be much more agile, going to allow more people to be involved in the planning process, to run more frequent plans and simulations, to accelerate those planning cycle times. And then you look at some of the you know the modern technologies like, like analytics cloud, for example. And I'm glad you mentioned Jeff the, the analytic piece, because there is an effort it's not just called financial planning, it's financial planning and analysis, a highly analytic piece. You know, many of the, the FP&A folks that, that might be listening to this, they're not just doing plans, right? They're doing things like management reporting or helping uh, or even driving analytics to support the decision-making in the business beyond just the pure planning process. So um, the bottom line is that, that this article ties together a number of things that we we've been talking about, but it's really highlighted the need for a much more agile, continuous planning process where we run multiple scenarios very quickly. And then it also ties into planning while it's driven out of the FP&A function, planning occurs across the entire organization, right? Marketing plans, sales plans, HR plans, everybody plans. And it gets into how these different drivers and elements all factor into the into the planning process and how how Covid has disrupted them, right? Whether it's headcount, the cost of uh, resources, et cetera, et cetera. So it was great for a number of different reasons. Um, that's why I chose that one.
1: Thank you very much. And I'm looking at Jeff. I think we can squeeze in one more prediction. I'm sorry, headline from Jeff and one from Tiago. Let's see what we can do here. So Jeff, let's keep this one tight. This is your headline number four. And then Tiago, I'll do your last one. So Jeff picked this one from NBCnews.com, how one Texas storm, I know you talked about that a little bit in your intro, one Texas storm exposed an energy grid unprepared for climate change, a little bigger issue here. Jeff, why don't you take about two minutes and Tiago will do yours, then we'll wrap up. Go ahead, Jeff.
2: All right, so if you're not familiar with Texas, um, you probably saw in the news that that we struggled uh, mightily with the storm. The vast majority of homes in Texas are heated by electric heaters not gas, not oil. So it's an electric process. And it's an unregulated market. So it's a free market from a a power generation standpoint. And those different power generation companies have had the option over the last 20 years to choose to winterize or not winterize their facilities. Well, in a competitive market, if I'm going to make an investment in winterizing, it's going to drive up my costs. And to be very specific some of the things that we've that were written in different articles were the the wind turbines froze if you drive through west texas there are there are miles and miles of wind turbines with a lot of wind energy in the state of texas but half of those or more froze up those same turbines work just fine in washington and in montana we simply chose as a region as a, as the the local providers to not winterize those mach- that machinery same thing with the gas production that, that drove different plants so as we come out of this over the next several weeks there's going to be lots of finger pointing lots of people wanting to blame somebody mm-hmm. and that all that all comes true but if you're an fpa now you have to go back and analyze why you didn't make that investment 20 years ago and 10 years ago when you probably were still in college or in a different job <laughs> They're going to have to explain what happened in the past, and it, it, there's a lot of work to be done. That's very manual to to bring all of this together. So it's it's a little bit of what Dave is talking about. We have to have tools that take all this information. I'm sorry to make take all this data and make it information we can act on. And if if you're in the shoes of the CFO or any of these these CEOs for these different power providers. You've got a lot of questions to answer, which means your teams are very busy pulling all of this information together for you.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Very elegantly and eloquently done. We have time to squeak in one more headline. It's from Tiago. And I think this is a great final headline for the show today. Tiago sent this one from Deloitte.wsj.com. Trust as a driver of enterprise value. Very interesting. I think we're talking about trust in a lot of what we've been talking about. Tiago, why don't you take, I only have two minutes for this, but go ahead, give us your unpack.
3: Okay, so uh, when I say trust, right um, now, Every stakeholder, every organization looks at the CFO and they are actually challenged with the trust. Okay. What is their capacity? What is the, I would call as a three C's, right? Their capacity, capability, and collaboration to demonstrate the credibility with the investors, stakeholders, and the customers being more transparent with their forecast and how accurate they can be. When you start thinking about the yearning statement, where are you going to learn this quarter? Where are you going to learn this year? It's extremely critical. I think all of Jeff and David talked about all those different topics. I think it's implicitly touched that, right? The credibility is very, very key for them. How do I actually get there uh, for a CFO to make those appropriate or uh, accurate decisions, right? So this is where uh, I like to actually bring in a quick Kind of bringing the we talk about scenario planning and driver-based modeling but i want to actually highlight how do you you need to actually think about bringing like a four different type of drivers in a part of any type of planning solution the one is the macroeconomic drivers right what is my overall inflation rate what is my gdp the industry um with a gas price or oil Then a regional right like in, i'm in texas what should i do what is my house coal? what is my consumer spending index for that region, then your internal drivers. If you try to combine all these together, it helps them to actually give you a more accurate forecast by resulting in a more informed decision for the CFOs and getting you a more building a credibility with the customers and stakeholders.
1: Thank you. Charlie. Trying to actually keep it up like two minutes. So. Thank you. I appreciate Better. that. And I have a headline that hasn't happened yet, but I think I'm going to write it. Cold snap in North Carolina breaks with 62 degree weather where we've been having 28 degree overnight temperatures and the birds are chirping outside my office window so loud, I could hardly hear myself think. And I love talking to the three of you. I love this headline format. Jeff, what do you think? Ripped in the headline? Should we do it again on financial excellence? Absolutely.
3: Uh, absolutely. Hey,
1: David, you like this one? Oh,
3: yeah. And yeah. Tiago. Yeah, I, I think this is my first time being on a zoom. So I love it.
1: I'm glad. Well, that's that's a given. I want to say thank you to the <laughs> three sponsors of this wonderful series. As I said, they're back for season 10. This is my longest running series. I have three other long running SAP series, all sharing Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. So we get to rotate a different show each week. So they're on once a month. And I'm so happy you're Episode number two in season 2021. A shout out, of course, to Chris Grundy at SAP, to Birgit Starman's at SAP, and to Pras Chatterjee. They've all been on this sh- I don't think Chris has ever been on the show, but he's in the background. Birgit's been on many, and Pras has been on many. And I want to do a shout out to my engineer extraordinaire. Who just told me we have one minute left. Everybody, say thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Voice America Business Channel, getting us out there to the world. I hope you'll all share the links to this show. And I have one more call to action here, and you all know what it is. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? And my little aside is my car is now getting two months to the gallon. How's yours doing? There you go. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Jeff Hattendorf. We're so happy you're good. Jeff at MAC, respect. Glad you're healthy and back with us again. Tiago Bala at Deloitte. Always wonderful to see you. And David Williams, it was a treat to visit with you again. It has been a long time. Everybody, Bonnie D. Graham out. Have a good day. Be smart. Be safe. Be savvy. <sighs> and be safe. I'll say that again. Wear your damn mask if you have to. Bye-bye. Take care, everyone.
0: (laughs) Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.